hopefully tonight I'll be um, bringing just simple communication of God's word. Um, you might see me up here and be under the impression that I have it all together. But then some of you are like, I know that guy. He does not. Jay has his whole scrub thing, but I like building. So I have a different illustration. I am simply a man under construction with all the mistakes and progresses of the building process until the Lord finishes the work he has started. So you might be wondering where we're going tonight if you haven't been here, but in the past six weeks, we've been going through a series called Jesus Is. Can you guess what we've been learning about? Who Jesus is. <laughs> so you might have heard some people claim that Jesus was a wise teacher, a prophet, uh, just a good teacher, wise guy. Um, you might have even heard uh, that Jesus never claimed to be God. But in the past six weeks and tonight, we'll see Jesus claim his deity again, saying, I am the true vine. The religious leaders of Jesus' time and the common people of his time and the people here now, you in this room, we're all trying to see who Jesus is. And Jesus has said, this is who I am. He says, I am the bread of life that sustains daily and eternally. I am the light cutting through the shadow that darkness, uh, that darkens the sinful world. I am the gate, the only door we can enter to find safety. I am the good shepherd who is willing to give his life for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life who is able to raise you to new life, new life, though your sins had you in the grave. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, tonight, as we just sang, we'll see Jesus as the true vine. So all throughout this series, we can see a common theme, and that is all that we need. Jesus is. Our main text tonight and our last I am statement is in John 15, 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We're going to be considering what nourishing and flourishing Jesus provides as the vine to his connected branches. The abiding branches flourish as the vine nourish. So we're going to be considering a few things. Are you connected to the vine? Are you being nourished by the vine? And are you flourishing in your connection to the vine? But before we do that, we're going to talk about rock climbing because I, I do lots of that. Okay? I love to rock climb. There's no mountains here in the great state of Florida, but I'll take my van if you've seen it out there, and I'll drive, and I'll go climb the rocks. I've been to Alabama, Kentucky, Michigan, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Puerto Rico, okay? So there's a few photos we got of some of these places. The first one is Puerto Rico. This is in Bayamon. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and then the next one here, that is in Kentucky. Um, in the Red River Gorge. So that was pretty legit. Oh, not that, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Go back. Oh, oh, oh. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that last one was Kentucky, and that was my roommate, Chris, who was a guide. So 
Has anybody here actually been climbing or ever been to the mountains? Anybody out here? Okay, okay, some mountain people at least. Some people climbing, climbing out of real mountains? Okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> so I love the view from the top of the mountain, and I'm sure you do. It's beautiful. Um, but I would never rock climb a mountain without the proper gear and the proper people that provide safety. Climbing is fun, but it can cause a serious injury and even death without the proper precautions. Some of you are like, nah, dog, I'm out. I'm just going to stay away from this whole climbing shindig you're talking about. But life is like a climb, and we know the artist, the Miley Cyrus, says, there's always going to be another mountain. You're going to want to make it move. There's always an uphill battle. Am I right? But <laughs> in all seriousness, because we live in a broken world of sin that leads to death, climbing the mountain of life isn't just hard. It's impossible to top left alone in our own street, our own strength. Facing this, facing this life, this mountain can be scary, but with the right gear and guide, it's not only possible but it can be a joy. So some things we need if we're going to be successful to climb is we need a guide. We obviously need that rope. We need other gear and we need partners. We need friends, other climbers. So the guide, he helps lead, correct, direct, protect, and catch us if we fall so we don't hit the ground. He finds the spot. He sets the rope up and the anchor. He manages the rope as you climb and he instructs you on the best path or route to climb to the top. Then we have the rope. That is the lifeline, the most important piece of climbing gear. You could throw that picture up of uh, all of us together. So this is kind of like a little illustration of it. You know, we got Chris here. That was my roommate in Daytona. He's our guide. He's got all of the, the rigs there to keep us safe. You know, then we got our climbers. They got the helmet. That's some of the other stuff we need. And you got to be tied into that lifeline because if not, Claudia would definitely no longer be there and neither would Leah, right? Uh, so it is essential to have these things and you can actually rest on those bad boys. They're on an angle without that rope. Mm -mm. So then, like I said, there's friends and other climbers that can give us tips, techniques that they learn from the guide. And once we learn those things from the guide, we can teach those to others too. So facing this life, this mountain, can be scary with no guide, no gear, no rope, no friends, we are sure to die. This is the fate of many that go out climbing with no rope and no guide. But praise God that um, he offers all people the opportunity to tie into the rope that saves and be trained by the guy who leads and corrects. He does it for free. You just have to claim the offer. So, oh, oh, where are we at? Oh, there we are. All right, we chilling. So this is just a simple illustration of the gear or the gear and the guide is a visual and God is the guide. Jesus is the rope and the tied in uh, climbers are those who have accepted Jesus as their savior. Uh, then there are those who climb without a rope, without any eternal safety. And those are disconnected from Jesus as their savior. Jesus shares a similar illustration with his disciples. He doesn't use a climbing illustration because it just was not a thing. Jesus uses a very common image of the grapevine. 
the image between a vine and its branches as we sing about. Jesus is the vine and his followers are the branches. We're going to be looking at two main things tonight. The disconnected branch that is talked about and the connected branches. The disconnected branch has no life. The connected abiding branches are nourished and they flourish by their connection to the vine. Are you a branch connected to the vine? The abiding connected branches flourish as the vine nourishes. So we're going to pray and then hop into our text. So, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we just pray that you'll show us that all we need is you. Jesus, show us who you are tonight. You are truly what satisfies and gives life. Like a vine gives health to its branches, would you show yourself, illuminate yourself to us tonight through your word and me as your messenger. Lord, would you just hide me behind your cross that all we see is you. Amen. So our text tonight is from John 15, 1 through 11, but we're going to zoom in to verse 5. But before we do this, as we do in my family group, we're going to give a little context. We're going to see where we at. In this passage, uh, we are celebrating the Jewish holiday of Passover, where God saved people out of slavery in Egypt and placed them into the promised land. This is what they're celebrating. Uh, this celebration happens to happen during a full moon because of the Jewish lunar calendar. Is that not, not fancy? So the moon is full. Jesus and his 12 disciples just wrapped up their meal in the upper room. Jesus shared that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Um, we see uh, Jesus, uh, Judas, one of the 12 who looked like a follower, he went away to betray, to betray Jesus, to have him arrested on false charges. To the eye, Judas looked like a follower, but he was really actually disconnected from Jesus, and he wasn't present in our conversation tonight in John 15. So at the end of John 14, 31, Jesus says, come, let's be going. It could be that by moonlight, Jesus led the followers towards their next location, which is the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed before uh, being arrested and then later crucified. On this path, it's possible that they stopped by the temple um, where uh, there's a massive image of a grapevine. They use grapevine imagery for everything during that time um, over the interest of like the Holy of Holies. This is where we sit down with Jesus tonight and see what he has to say. So we're going to read John 15, 1 through 11. And it says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He sums it up. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And that branch is gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So again, we're going to be focusing in verse five where it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. The abiding or connected branches flourish as the vine nourishes. Are you being nourished? Do you feel dry um, in need of refreshment or are you disconnected from Jesus? Never having truly been connected before, never having known him. We could be here forever talking on this text in 1 through 11, but we're going to focus in on what the vine offers to the branches that abide in him. So we're going to look at both branches, the disconnected branch from the vine and the vine or the branch that is connected to the vine. The branch that's connected to the vine is nourished by the vine and the branch that is connected to the vine flourishes from the vine. So let's break the illustration down a little bit. We see Jesus say that he is the vine, very clear in verses one and five. We see Jesus say his father is the vine dresser or the gardener in verses one and six. And we see Jesus refer to our two branches, the disconnected in verse two and six and the connected in two and three and seven through eight. So I enjoy plants. As you can see, there are some like in the building. I maintain these plants, but they're different than grapevines. I don't know if you've ever been to a grapevine. I really haven't. But um, our next door neighbors at Hillel actually have a grapevine in their backyard. I walked over there one day. I was like, no way. This is literally a grapevine. I'm about to like talk about this. It's so crazy. Okay, God, I see you out here. So it's actually a, a muscade grapevine. Apparently, it's very sweet. Um, yeah, that's it right there. Literally, that's next door. Look at the vine. You see that? Boom. Grapes. <laughs> the branches are connected to the vine, and there's some sort of fruit production. It's recognizable. The branches are weak, but connected. They have life and production. What about the branches that are disconnected, that are not in the vine at all? We're going to look at those branches right now as the for our first point, the branch that is disconnected from the vine. So I actually have one. This is a branch. It's disconnected. It's pretty dead. Like if you looked at this, and I wasn't saying like, oh, there's a, uh, Hillel has a grapevine over there. You would probably not know what this is. It is just a shriveled up, dead branch, disconnected with no life. So we see this um, clearly spoken out in verse six, where Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So 
if you know me and like Jay was saying, we've been talking about this forever, trying to figure this thing out. I looked, I talked to many pastors about this and looked up many scholarly sources. Um, so some say that the branches are, uh, that this specific branch that's thrown away are fruitless disciples who live wasted lives that are in effect burn up and uh, this passage does not refer to eternal destiny, kind of like we see with Lot's nephew. Others say that this is talking about those who appear to be disciples, um, but have never really abided or were never really living in Jesus and therefore go to hell or have eternal separation uh, from God like we see with Judas. So it's hard for me to plant a flag in either of these areas, but if I had to, I would say that it does talk about this eternal separation because of the context where we're talking about with Judas, where we are here. In verses 2 and 4, Jesus paints a simple picture of a disconnected branch and how it can produce nothing. These connect, the connection to the vine gives life, and life is what is needed for a branch to be fruitful. So, like an apple tree produces apples and it shows apples. An orange tree produces uh, uh, oranges and shows oranges, but a shriveled, dead, uh, disconnected branch shows no fruit and it has no life in it. Disconnected from Jesus, we are dead in sin like branches, uh, like the branch that has uh, no life because it is not connected to the vine. You may be thinking, though, this branch that's thrown away was a branch, right? That was my question. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, looks like, let's look at the example of Judas though. One of Jesus' close followers. He was with them for like three years, did all the things. He looked the part. He played many good looking roles, but Jesus knew Judas was wearing a mask. He was a pretender. He was never truly connected to Jesus. We see this in John chapter 6 and 66 through 70, where Jesus calls Judas out, but not by name at this point. I thought that was such a weird thing for him to say that until I look at this now. So you can explore that in your own time. And then he also says it very bluntly in John 13. He says, this is the person that's going to betray me when he dips the, the bread and the wine. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Judas was like an imitator. Uh, kind of like the knockoff brand. Like if you ever seen like a Jordan shoe and then you got the Shaquille O'Neal shoe like at the Walmart, like they're not the same thing. Or, you know, Mountain Dew versus like Mountain Lightning. Or, you know, if you got bologna and then like ham, like real ham from the deli, like they are not the same thing. They like try to say it's something similar, but I don't know about all that bologna stuff. So they have some kind of resemblance, but... Uh, when you take an actual look or you try it, you can tell that it's not genuine. In 2 Timothy 3 and uh, 3, 5, Paul speaks of those like Judas, saying that they have a form of godliness. They look religious, but they deny the actual power of God. Judas looked like a branch. He even walked and talked with Jesus, but he never trusted Jesus, like the other 11 that followed him closely. John 3, 36 says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son 
will not see life, for the wrath of God remains on him. Those who do not believe are surely disconnected from the vine and will experience eternal death. So the question is, are you connected first? Uh, Your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, hanging out at church, or even being here at the BCM cannot save you. Only faith in Jesus are we, by that are we saved. Only a connection to the true vine do we find life and life eternal. So let's look at this, uh, the connected branches that Jesus is talking about, because that's the big picture here. He's really leaning in on this. Jesus tells the 11 followers that are with him at this time, the real ones, that they are clean and connected. We see this in verse three. He says, already you are clean because the words I have spoken to you. But what does that even mean? So he's saying that uh, as these 11 followed him and his teaching, the words that he spoke to them were accepted by him through faith, and by this washing, they were made clean. Their trusting in Jesus saved them from their sin, giving new life as they connected to the true vine. We see this again in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. We see another example back in our first I am statement in John 6, where the 11 disciples trusted Jesus uh, that he would be the only one that would fill their eternal hunger. Jesus uh, was, in this scene, he just provided uh, the 5,000 food, right? And then they come back and they're like, oh, you're going to feed us again. Um, And he's like, I got something better. I got eternal life for you. And they said, but like, what about what about the food from the other day? Like, can you do that again? He's like, I got something better. So many left, it says. And then Jesus looked to his close followers. And he says, are you going to leave too? Then Peter speaks up and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and i have come and have come to know that you are the holy one of god so after establishing this that they're connected jesus says abide uh as i said earlier abide means there is a connection those uh these connected branches are nourished by the vine as they abide so what does abide even mean because it's mentioned 11 times in this chapter. So abide means to dwell, reside, to stay, to make home. You ever hear humble abode? This comes from that abiding. So it's where you stay at. So some of y'all stay in dorms with roommates. Uh, Some of you stay in apartments with friends. Some of you may stay at home with some mature roommates, also known as your parents. (laughs) Jesus is saying that the branches connected to him are his roommates. They are in community with him. So let's look at verse 5 again in that light. He says, I am the vine, 
you are the branches. There's that connection. Whoever lives in me and I live in him, he is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying he has made his home in their hearts and they have made their home in his hearts. This goes for us today, for those who have said yes to the vine. Jesus is the best roommate ever. He never leaves a mess. He doesn't steal your food out the fridge, but he cooks and he offers to provide dinner. That's my kind of friend right there. Y'all know me. I don't be cooking. (laughs) And when you're feeling down, beat up, uh, he's present and ready to comfort. He has all the right words to say and he says them at the right time. And he's ready to just sit with you if you need that. Jesus is kind and caring, but he's not a pushover. He can go parent mode real quick. (laughs) He calls us out on our messes when we leave the apartment or wreck. He speaks up. Remember, he lives in you. Sometimes there has to be a roommate meeting. There has to be a huddle. Uh, He might have some harsh words to say, but his pruning and correction is always for our health. Just like the gardener removes parts of a branch to make it flourish, as we see early on in the text, with he desires to do this to make better and more beautiful fruit. The cutting hurts, but the Lord won't hold back some momentary pain for an everlasting good. Jesus will give us everything, every ounce of nourishment we need to grow in wholeness into his likeness to look more like him, whatever it takes. One place Jesus says he provides his nourishment is through his love. We have nourishment through his love. In verse nine, he says this, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, sit, dwell, live in my love, connect. Uh, Then we haven't looked at this, but in verse 13 and 14, Jesus says how he will prove his love for us. He says this, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friend if you do what I command you. Jesus is sharing this message hours away from laying his life down on the cross for mankind. Back in the Old Testament prophecy, which is a very clear image of Christ in Isaiah 53. It says this, starting in verse 3 through 10. It says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, antiquated with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought it was his trouble His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep and silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream, but he was struck down for our 
for the rebellion of my people. He was he had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. This is who Jesus is. He is the vine that gives life and nourishment to his branches for their flourishing. And he calls us to take hold of life and nourishment that he offers. But he doesn't want, it to keep it, want us to keep it to himself. He showed his great love to us so that we could know what real love is. Then give it back to him and then share it with others. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love him because he first loved us and his love uh, took action. Love without action is dead. For example, I love this illustration. Thank you, Alistair Begg. Watch out. Go listen to him. It's uh, imagine your boyfriend got you some flowers because he loves you. How cute, right? He bought them about two weeks ago. He left them in the trunk of his car until now. They're kind of dead. And he says, I've been thinking about you. And he hands you these drooping flowers. It seems that he has been thinking about you, but it seems a bit delayed. Um, so are we withholding that love from others, keeping it to ourselves? Jesus wants us to flourish, to produce fruit, his likeness. It says this in Galatians 3, uh, 5, 22 through 23. It says, this is the, the fruit of Christ-likeness. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits are not to just sit on the branches as we are the branches. Um, it is in, and let that sit and rot and not be shared. The sweetness of the fruit is to be shared with others. In verses 9 through 12, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. He says, abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy are, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus shares that our love is made full as we are nourished by his love. And we flourish by sharing the fruit of his likeness with others. And are being nourished by Jesus' love. We, the branches, are whole. We're full. We're ready to flourish and share are by sharing the fruit that comes when we abide in the vine. Out of an overflow of satisfaction of Jesus' love towards us, fruit is sure to be produced. And the fruit looks like loving others, just as Christ does love us. It means we lay down our desires for the highest good of others, that the beautiful vineyard of Jesus, our Savior, would grow as we make him known, both in what we say and then how we act.
So as we land the plane tonight, I want us to have a time of just reflection. Throughout these seven weeks, we have seen Jesus say, this is who I am. I am the space filler where there's a gap in every human life that the world won't satisfy, that money, sex, fame, pleasure will not fill. Death is the product of sin, but I have made a way for a resurrection. He says, I am the savior for all who will believe in me. I give new life. He says, I will do the heavy lifting. As a matter of fact, he says, I have already done the work. Jesus said, it is finished as he took his last breath on the cross. But as we know, he didn't stay in the grave. He says this in John 10, 18. And I just love this verse. He's like, I got authority. Watch out. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down. And when I want to, also to take it back up again. This, who is this man? He is the God man. He is the need filler of mankind. And that is what he declared of himself to be. And then he followed up on his word with action. He took on the cross for us. All that we need, Jesus is. And tonight we have seen the abiding, connected, dwelling, communing, Branches flourish as they are nourished by the vine. So we're going to get a little practical with some questions. First, we have to ask ourselves, are we connected? Jesus shares that there's two types of branches here. As he speaks to the disciples, the disconnected and the connected. Why would I want to connect? Why would I want to give my life to Jesus? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. But not uh, that only. Nothing will satisfy a branch, a branch, but its connection to the life giver, the vine, the true vine. A flower and water is like trying to be satisfied by this world. It keeps it alive for a little while. It even looks pretty for a bit, but the pleasure uh, of power, money, whatever is only good for a season. Just like that flower and a vase, it will die if it's not connected to the vine. We are not robots. We get to choose to say yes or no to the vine and what it has to offer. Saying yes to Jesus as king um, it was the best decision I have ever made. Uh, it means it, not everything is going to be easy, Uh but saying yes to Jesus means giving up my way for his, and his way is better. It takes sacrifice, but it offers the greatest reward. Jesus paid the highest price, proving his love on the cross and resurrection from the grave. Connect to the giver of life and life eternal. If you are connected, you have said yes to Jesus as your savior and the director of your life. Are you being nourished by abiding, sitting, communicating with the Lord? Or do you feel a bit dry? Are you trying to produce fruit on your own without being nourished? Or maybe you have distanced yourself a bit from Jesus, either by walking in sin or distractions have 
caused him to fade to the background? What does the Lord need to cut off or rearrange for the joy of abiding in his love to be refreshed? Or maybe you're in a place like we all have been, uh, where you're not sure what's going on, you feel pressed, weighed down. Maybe even you feel a little under attack by the enemy and you just need a moment to say, Jesus, remind me who you are. He is near to the brokenhearted.